I have a beloved Russian icon that's currently in our garage waiting to be hung again in yet another new home after following me from high school through several different college dorm rooms and post-college and seminary apartments in five or maybe six different cities. And it is not a fancy hand-painted icon. It's a mass factory-produced one that I bought for about a dollar and a half at a kiosk in Moscow. And it's an image of Christ the Pantocrator. Pantocrator is a Greek word, and it's a technical term in icons. It means Jesus in a certain pose and depiction. And Pantocrator is Greek for basically big boss of everything. <laughs> Christ the Pantocrator. Christ the big boss of everything. And he's dressed in this icon in a way that presumably he never dressed in his earthly ministry. He wears dazzling scarlet and blue robes. And he sits on a golden throne against a dazzling background of gold. Christ, the heavenly king. It's an image that's common in Eastern Orthodoxy. It appears in apses and domes all around the world. A beautiful image. An image of power. And an image of glory. Now, we don't live in a world with a lot of kings anymore, at least not as many as they had in New Testament times. And those we have, at least those that go by the title of king or queen, usually don't have the real power anymore. But we sure still live in a world with power. And we sure still live in a world that longs for order. And in that sense, the lure of the one big powerful ruler is as strong as it ever was. In plenty of places all around our world right now, there are places where that tug towards the big charismatic boss of everything is being felt so strongly. There's a nonprofit called Freedom House that ranks countries according to their health of their institutions. And at Freedom House, they have released a study that says that each of the last 15 years since 2006, on balance, the world has become less free and slid towards more authoritarianism. And so even if those rulers today mostly have different titles, like prime minister or president or general, even if they cloak their kingship, in some of the apparatus of elections and parliaments, we still know what it is to be in a world where there's this tug towards the big leader. After all, life is chaotic and dangerous and messy. And putting a single person in charge is one way to try to manage that that can have a lot of appeal. There's just one downside which is that strong leader tends not to be accountable to anyone else. And so it depends a lot on the character of the leader. And all throughout history, the life and death and well-being of countless, countless human beings has depended on one big question. Do you have a good king or a bad one?
Today is the last Sunday after Pentecost. And following a tradition that began in the Roman Catholic Church in the 1930s, this day is also sometimes called the Sunday of Christ the King, or the Sunday of the reign of Christ. And we can take that in, I think, a couple of different senses. We could take this idea of Jesus as king to mean that Jesus is really the big boss of everything in a pretty straightforward sense, that he is more powerful than all the other kings. He's the real Caesar. We could put Jesus at the top of the pyramid and then use Jesus' authority to bless all the other hierarchies on the pyramid all the way down, perhaps especially those that most benefit us in our own position. And if we understand the kingship of Jesus that way, then celebrating Christ as king can be a disaster. But there's another possibility. We can read Christ as king in perhaps a little bit more of a playful or ironic or subversive sense, which is to say that if Jesus is king, then the utter surprise of having this person as king means that everything we ever thought about power and authority gets flipped on its head. We might be able to see Jesus as Pantocrator in a way that's true and also ironic at the same time. Certainly in our gospel story today, Jesus stands before Pilate in a scene where the irony is so thick you could spread it on your pancakes. Here is the representative of Caesar, sitting no doubt on a very attractive throne of some sort, dressed at least in some medium resplendent finery. And here is this shackled prisoner standing before him. Are you the king? Says Pilate. And the whole question is absolutely laughable. Except that the author of this gospel intends for us as readers to know what Pilate doesn't. That the answer is yes. That this outsider, this condemned prisoner, is truly the one with authority. That Jesus' power undercuts even the power of Rome, even the power of Pilate, even the power that puts him on the cross. Jesus has a funny relationship with power. Clearly, he has a lot of power. And his vision of his calling from God clearly challenges the ruling powers head on, so much so that it's propelled him to this moment. And yet, he doesn't seem to be your average conventional revolutionary either. When somebody asked him about paying taxes, he offhandedly said, well, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. On the night of his arrest, when his followers tried to fight back, he told them, put away your sword. All who take up the sword will die by the sword. And he says, don't you think that if I wanted to, I could appeal to God to send me 12 legions of angels? And he doesn't. 
So this is not a legions of angels kind of king. Jesus seems uninterested in using violent force to overthrow the empire, and certainly not just to set up one of his own. Jesus is interested in God's power. And we see God's power not so much in being in charge, but in serving, in serving others, in unjust suffering even, when necessary, out of love, we see the power of God. What a mystery that is at the heart of the universe. What a secret that is to realize that the whole cosmos is built on love, not on power, not on might, that the ultimate source of both is on the side of those with none. It's a secret that has given a lot of strength and a lot of power to Jesus' followers throughout the centuries, from St. Francis to Mother Teresa, Dorothy Day to Martin Luther King, and so many others. And so there is power in Jesus' turning power upside down. But of course, that makes it all the more ironic that over the centuries, the church has so often simply chosen to collude with Pilate. And as we look back through history, we see the Crusades and the Inquisition. We see Christians using scripture to defend slavery, to defend the subjugation of women and gender minorities. We see Christians using scripture to defend fascism and Nazism. We see Christians succumbing over and over again to the temptation of using the tools of human power. And disaster has followed, as the church has traded King Jesus for King Caesar. There have always been those who called the church back. You may know the story of the brave German Christians during the Third Reich that broke away from the racist national church to form the underground confessing church, setting up parallel seminaries and organizations. The earliest Christians had insisted that there was no emperor but Christ. These German Christians said that for them there was no Fuhrer but Christ. You might have said that they chose to celebrate Christ the Fuhrer Sunday, Christ the leader. Christ, the source of true power, which meant that the other was not, was bankrupt, was wrong. Figures like Karl Barth, who went into exile, Martin Niemöller, who was imprisoned, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died for his witness. Many other less well-known Christians held out the vision of the true kingship of Jesus in a desperate time. And so sometimes faithfulness to the true ruler leads to suffering, just as it did for himself. But if Jesus is the real king, then Caesar isn't, and all the other despots and authoritarians of this world are in the end cardboard cutouts. They represent a twisted reality that God has already judged. God's righteous one was executed. 
he stood as a political criminal. And that very fact shows us just how bankrupt all human systems of power can be. But Jesus was raised from the dead. And in that we see deeper power, God's power, the power of servanthood, the power of love.